Hello from the members of Royce City Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you're blessed by this message today. You're invited to join us for worship anytime. You can learn more about our worship options, locations, and how to get plugged into the life of our church by visiting our website, RoyceCityMethodist.life. Today, we hear from our senior pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to his word proclaimed. Today we're kind of wrapping up our What's Next series. And I say kind of because can we really wrap up the question of what's next? Can we really stop asking what is it that that God is calling us to do and and how we are to be in ministry to, to those around us and to the world around us? We can't. But hopefully the past four weeks have given you an opportunity just to hear what it is that God is continuing calling us to do as Royce City Methodist Church, to be a faithful witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a hurting and broken world, to to be a place where the light of Christ shines bright so that others may be drawn to him. So for this last sermon, I was thinking about uh, a, a certain scripture, but, but a song came to mind. Uh, you may have heard me say that when I went to seminary, I had the opportunity to travel to uh, Taizé, France, which is a Protestant monastery that's uh, in the southern part of France. And, and a lot of what they do there is related to music. And in their worship services, we would spend time singing and and praying. And there was one song that we sang that if you had participated in one of the Taize Good Friday services that we've done, it's one of the songs that's a part of that service. And it's called Wait for the Lord. So I'm going to do something. I'm going to sing that through. I have the words that will be up on the screen. I'm going to sing through the words, and I want you to join with me because to me there's nothing more beautiful than a a cappella church singing a cappella together. So let me go through it once and that way you can hear how it goes and then I'll invite you to join with me and we'll sing it through a couple of times. It goes like this. Wait for the Lord whose day is near. Wait for the Lord keep watch take heart join me wait for the lord whose day is near wait for the lord keep watch take heart again Wait for the Lord whose day is near. Wait for the Lord, keep watch, take heart. Beautiful. Let us pray. Oh God, as a church, we wait. We wait for you. We wait and ask that you guide us and lead us to be faithful disciples of yours. Guide us and lead us to listen 
Guide us and lead us to action. Guide us and lead us to be your hands and feet to each other and to our community. So, Lord, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So last week we had a great celebration service, and if you were able to be here to worship with us, I hopefully you had uh, that same excitement and joy that I had. You know, the choir sang, we had the praise band, we were out in front of the sanctuary, the, the noise from 66 every once in a while got a little unbearable, and it was kind of hard to hear a little bit. But, you know, it, it gave us an opportunity to give thanks because I don't think we do that enough. And, and I'm saying that more on a, a jab to myself than anyone else because I am one of those type of people that, that's looking ahead. I, I'm always going, okay, now, now what? What do we do next? What, what's next? What's next? What's next? And, and I know maybe for some people it may be dizzying the way that I do that. But, but it's always great to stop and pause and say, look what God has done so far. Look what God is going to continue to do through the life of our church. The only problem is when we think about that, something has to come along with it. And that's waiting. And I hate to wait. Our scripture for today is a passage that, that gives us an idea of, of what waiting is all about. It's from Psalm chapter 27 verses 7 through 14, and then we're gonna, I'm just mixing things up a little bit today. I'm going to have you help me read our scripture for today. We'll read it responsibly. You'll see the words on the screen. I'll read what the lighter texts are, and I'll have you read the dark text. So, Andrew, if you want to go ahead and put the first slide up there. Join with me as we read our scripture together. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. Do not hide your face from me, and do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Teach me your ways, Lord. Lead me on a straight path because of my oppressors. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. That very last verse, verse uh, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You know, there are many different forms of waiting. And I'm sure a lot of us can think about times that we've waited, especially when we get to, like, Christmas when we were younger. We remember waiting forever for Christmas to finally arrive, or, or even when we get to our birthdays. You know, my birthday was, is four days after Christmas. 
So even that four-day waiting period was just brutal, having to wait for my birthday to come around. But you can't imagine, those of you maybe with December birthdays, you know that pain of waiting from December to the next December for the next Christmas and birthday. But for me, one of the areas that, that I think about waiting that, that really impacts me was when I was in second grade. I remember uh, one morning uh, in, in, our, in our house, our, my bedroom was right next to my mom and dad's room. And, of course, they had a landline in, in their bedroom. And about 7 o'clock in the morning before we were up and around getting ready for school and stuff, the phone rang, which, you know, could be something really serious. You know, the phone never rings that early in the morning. But it was my cousin Sherry who was about 10, 15 years older than me, she was calling because she was listening to KSKU radio. And they said that I had six minutes to call KSKU radio because I have won tickets to the grand opening of The Empire Strikes Back at the Cinema Twin Theater in Hutchinson, Kansas. I shot out of bed so fast and went and I called KSKU and was just so excited that I was going to go to the movie. Mo Mom and Dad had a hesitation because back then there was really no such thing as a midnight movie. You, you, well, or maybe not a midnight movie that you would want to be going to, but anyhow, for uh, like a premiere or, or something like that. So mom and dad finally said that they were going to let me go to the premiere of Empire Strikes Back, and they asked a question, and my mom asked the question, who are you going to take with me? The answer was obvious, my best friend, Mike Carell. You know, remember uh, Wanda talking about moms having those things that they do where they do the two-name thing? Well, I got the mom look to begin with, and then she looked at me and said, what about your older brother? Uh, fine, I'll, ta I'll take my older brother to go see Empire Strikes Back. But from that moment until we were actually standing in line, a long line in front of the, century, uh, the, the, the Cinema Twin Theater with all of the people waiting to go in to pack both of those theaters, it was incredible. It was just awesome just waiting for the opportunity to go in and see something that I know no other second grader in Hutchinson, Kansas was going to be able to see at midnight the night that the show opened. So we went in. Remember seeing the R2-D2 that was kind of driving around shooting water at people and just sitting through that entire movie and then the experience. And then I had another moment of waiting. And this moment was waiting was to make sure that I didn't spoil anything to anyone in my class on that Friday because mom made me go to school the next day. He said, if you're, if you're able to go to a midnight movie, then you're able to go back to school. So I had to sit there quietly, not sharing the fact that Darth Vader was, in fact, Luke Skywalker's dad. Hopefully that's not a spoiler alert to anybody that's in here. It's been several years. But I remember waiting. I remember just the anticipation, the expectant nature of, of going to that movie. Now, we know that there are some bad waiting out there, too, when, when, when things can get impatient. Like, for example, when you go into an elevator and you push the button and you wait for the doors to close. And then what do you start doing? 
you start pushing that door close button, which I hear doesn't really do anything at all. It's just a button there that people are pushed, so it makes you feel like you're doing something. Or if you're going across a crosswalk and you're, you're pushing the button and you keep pushing it over and over and over again, thinking that it's going to help turn the light from red to green and so you can go across. Or back in the day, whenever I had an uh, actual desktop computer and I had the little mouse and the, the, the screen would start buffering. So what do you do? You start just shaking the little mouse, hoping that it'll speed things up. Tho those are ways that are impatient in waiting. But, but this, the waiting that we read about in our scripture is, is a totally different kind of waiting. That, that there is um, passive waiting, which I would say waiting for the, the door to close and the elevator and the, the crosswalk and everything. There's passive. There's absolutely nothing that you can do about that. But, but the kind of waiting that, that David is talking about in our scripture for today is an expectant waiting. Passive waiting is when you wait around and you wish for something good that would happen. And, and you really don't do anything about it at all. But, but it is the expectant waiting. That is the waiting that we share in the Christian life. It is the expecting waiting that, that we go, we know that God is there with us and God is there for us and God will lead us through. And we are expectant for what God has for us. Part of that expectant waiting comes from the words of Jesus. In Jesus, in John chapter 15, verse 5, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So, so we wait on God to move. We wait on Jesus to move in our lives so that we can move forward. Dallas Willard puts a little tag to this verse, and he says, well, if you do nothing, it will most assuredly be without Jesus. We are called to be in an active, expectant movement. And if we don't do anything at all, then Jesus won't be there with us. Jesus will allow us to sit in the midst of our non-doing. But Jesus invites us to be active and expecting for him to come with us. In Psalm 27, the part of the beginning of our scripture, David is having a, a problem. Da David is being surrounded or, or being followed by either Saul or Absalom. We don't really know for sure who it is, but, but it's not that good. People who do not want David to be alive or, or people who want to take over David's kingdom. That is something that is happening there, but, but David knows that if he continues to wait on God, God will see him through that. Even in the midst of the, uh, the, the, the unexpected or, or, or the, 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 the areas that he doesn't quite know, he knows that God will see him through and he will move actively through this trial. He'll move actively through the difficulties. And, and, and the scripture gives us three different ways that David does that. First of all, David is focused on God's face. David is focused on looking at what God has for him and wants to live in God's presence. In 2 Chronicles 7:14, we have this reminder that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves 
and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. See, the Chronicles that knows that we must look for God and we must call out to God and, and be filled by God's presence or as the scripture says, seeking God's face. Now we know that the seeking God's face is not trying to look to see God's face there in front of you. But, it, but it's a reminder that what we are called to do as we grow in our faith is that we take the opportunity to seek God's presence. To, to, to seek what it is that, that God is calling us to do and to seek how God is in and around us every single moment of every single day. Sometimes we get too busy to try to see God active and alive in our lives, to see him moving and presence in, in what's going on around us. We, we rush through life so quickly and so hurriedly that we fail to see that God is there beside us. That's why one of the practices that I like to do every morning is before I wake up, I, I normally wake up before the alarm goes off, and as I'm laying there in bed, three things go through my mind. I first go through the 23rd Psalm. Because if you want a psalm that helps remind you of God's presence in your life and how God walks through with you through the good times and through the difficult times, and God prepares things for you, the 23rd Psalm is that psalm. And then I move into the, the Wesleyan Covenant prayer. We, we, we shared that prayer at times here in worship, and you'll hear it again on June the 11th when we have our confirmands here uh, celebrating with them as they become full members of the life of our church. But, but that reminder that I am God's no longer my own, but that I belong totally to God and he is there with me is a prayer that I love to say every morning. And then the final thing that I say are the Beatitudes. And the reason why I say the Beatitudes is because it is a reminder that the kingdom of God is present and available right here and right now for all of us. And, and when we decide to live in God's kingdom, then our God's kingdom will never be shaken. God's kingdom will never be taken away from us and we can fully live in his love and his grace. See, seeking God's face reminds us who and whose we are about his love that, that guides us and leads us. And then the second thing that David talks about is that we need to ask for God's knowledge. Asking for God's knowledge is something I know that I, I do very little or, or a whole lot less than I should because I think I can do it all on my own. I think I can handle it. But, but Jesus reminds us of this in Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8, when he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks find, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And my friends, the best place for us to find the knowledge of God is right here in Scripture. When we take a look at God's word from the beginning of Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation, we see God active and alive and moving in our lives through Scripture, then we know 
that God will give us knowledge. Maybe you are looking for knowledge on healing. So you search the scriptures about healing. And one of the scriptures that I find is in Mark 6, 56, Jesus is there going from town to town, willing, desiring to, to heal those around him. He doesn't turn anyone away, but those who come to him, he places his hands on and he heals. If you're waiting on provision, immerse in the truth that God will provide for his children. I know I've said this many times that, that one of my least favorite passages in Scripture is Matthew chapter 6. And the reason why it's my least favorite passage is because whenever I'm worried or whenever I'm anxious or whenever I don't feel like things are going when I need to go, that verse always comes up. It's a verse that reminds us that, that the birds of the air, God feeds them with, without any hesitation at all. Look how beautiful the flowers of the fields are. And that if we worry about what happens tomorrow, we're wasting what God has for us today because today has enough trouble of its own. And when we're focusing on what may happen or what might happen, we're not leaning on the knowledge that God has for us each day. I think something else that we need more knowledge in is that we need to make sure that we spend knowledge on not saying things instead of saying things. Sometimes it's easy to let a word slip out that does more harm than it does good. Or maybe sometimes a tweet can do that, or a post, or, or, or something in those respects that we don't quite think about before we send out there into the world for others to consume. And then by that time, even though we may hit the delete button, it may be too late for us to fully sh take back those things that we have said. Gaining knowledge gives us the opportunity to hear what it is that God is calling us to do as God's chosen people. Coming up on July the 9th, I believe, the second Sunday of July, I, I like to do a month-long course, and I shared this a couple of weeks ago, where it gives our Sunday school teachers an opportunity just to pause and rest, and then we do an all-church study. And we're going to be doing an all-church study called the Awaken Life Course. And it allows us to take a look at a couple of passages in the Old Testament and say, how are you calling us to, to awaken, maybe from the slumber that we're in, to hear God's word in our lives? And if you go to our website, RoyCityMethodist.life, it's already there, and you can get signed up. And I encourage you, if you have like three or four people that you want to do this course with, uh, you can do that. I'll explain more about that as we get along. Put their names down and, and let me know. But if you don't, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll place other people with you so that you can grow together as disciples of Jesus Christ and, and fully lean into the knowledge that God has for each and every one of this, us. Finally, the last thing that, 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 that David says in this passage is that he remains confident that God will do a good work 
in and through him. Those words, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. It is David saying, I know that you will see me through this. And God gives us that promise that no matter what we may be going through in our lives, he will see us through. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's the news that I need to hear. When life is hard, when, when times are difficult, knowing that God will continue the good work in us and he will see it through so that his glory may be revealed in us. One of the ways that we talk about this is through prayer. And if you take a look at our spiritual practice for this week, it is about intercessory prayer. Now, you may be familiar with intercessory prayer, that it's basically praying for other people. Now, that's the, the simple definition of what intercessory prayer is. But, but sometimes we like to use intercessory prayer as a way to fix other people. And here, here's a little word for you. We can't fix other people, but God can. When we participate in intercessory prayer, we are saying, God, I am lifting up whoever may be on your heart or mind, and I am giving them to you. You know their needs. You know their wants. You know what is going on with them, and I pray that you will complete the good work that you have already started through them so that your glory may be shown through them. So just a couple of quick ideas. Take a moment to sit with a photo of someone you know or an object that represents this person and pray asking God to show you how to intercede for him or her. Because I can guarantee you, the other thing about intercessory prayer, every single one of us needs somebody interceding for them. Every single one of us needs to have people holding them up in prayer. And then the last one, think of somebody in desperate circumstances whom you'd like to fix or rescue. And instead of trying to find a way to fix or rescue them, pray instead that they will grow in oneness with God. And then allow yourself to be present, allow yourself to listen, allow yourself just to be that presence in their life that shares Jesus with them. You know, what next is a great thing. I love thinking what's next. But the one thing about what's next is that if we don't do it with the power of Christ in our lives, then it's hollow. It's shallow. It, it, it doesn't mean much. But when we allow Jesus and we trust in him, when we follow the way of Jesus and share that love with our neighbors, we can then wait on God and allow him to do a good work in and through us. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for your great love for us.
And Lord, I am thankful for what's next, for how you will continue to guide us and lead us as your church, how you will guide us individually as we love our neighbors and as we share ministry with each other and with the world around us. Help us to listen. Help us to boldly seek you. And help us to live in your kingdom, which is available to us right here and right now. And we pray all of this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.